Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BNAC Talks Press. there everybody Bridget McGowan Hawkins with you and I have with me today Lynn Toomey. Lynn welcome to Own the Microphone. Hello. So Lynn give us your background. Tell us the Lynn Toomey story. How did you get into speaking? What's your jam? Tell us. Okay so my passion is helping women overcome some financial obstacles and help them navigate their personal finances and their journey to and through retirement. And I'm not quite yet a baby boomer. I'm just on the hairy edge of being a baby boomer. And I started thinking, like, what is it that I'm going to do to prepare for my retirement? Certainly, I've been preparing for a long time, saving in my 401k and buying and selling houses and trying to be responsible financially. But I started doing some research as it related to planning my own retirement. And I found out that, you know, a lot of women need some assistance. They need some education. They need some guidance. And so I'm kind of going to invite women along with my journey as I go through this and hopefully be both a mentor and a coach and a guide and say, you know, come along with me. We're going to find out how we're going to do this together. We might make some mistakes, um, but we're going to have lots of success. And it's based on a background of my mother. My mother is and always has been my hero. And as a child, she pounded into my head, you have to take care of yourself. Don't rely on anyone else. And she incented me to get my education. So I got um, college degree, undergrad, master's degree, And eventually I went to work in uh, the corporate world, high tech marketing, and worked my way through the corporate world. And then along the way, I decided to become a contractor and did a lot of marketing contracting. And then I got into the whole retirement planning, financial advice space. And I was like, this is where I belong. This is where I'm going to make my impact. And I'm going to help a lot of women. So you didn't start out saying, I'm going to be a speaker. You started out by saying, I'm going to help people. I am going to help women. How did the helping women with retirement and the speaker world collide with each other? Yeah, so um, my significant other is a traditional financial advisor. And he and I decided to start doing some education classes at local colleges and universities around retirement planning. So um, we had never done that before, about six years ago. And we just decided to put together a class and start teaching um, men and women and couples, singles, the finer points of retirement planning. So we absolutely loved it. I love being in front of an audience. Um, I was a lifelong competitive athlete. Um, I was I was pretty much the center of attention when I played sports because I was the MVP. I was the captain, and I've always felt comfortable in that limelight. And so, being in front of the class teaching, my mother's a teacher. I, I watched her throughout my whole life teaching. So it was kind of a combination of leadership, 
teaching, coaching. I just absolutely love it. And I was hooked. And so as I started investigating this more and more, I found out that women um, have some special unique challenges. So I diverted my retirement planning um, research and uh, coaching into the, the woman's realm, right? So not just, um, not men and women, but specifically women. And I just, I absolutely love it. I love getting up there and uh, ex- getting people excited and getting them motivated by what I'm saying and seeing the response and seeing how grateful women are very grateful when you give them information and you help them um, even more so than men. Um, and that's super rewarding. It just makes, it makes, even if I didn't get paid to do retirement coaching, I feel like I would do it anyway. <laughs> you actually answered a question that I was going to pose to you. And that was why women? And that was really interesting how you said they just tend to, they tend to appreciate the message more so than, than men. <laughs> that's, Hmm. Wow. That, that can be a tough, that can be a tough one. So how do you, let's say you have an audience of women. They're typically receptive to your message. They're hanging on to your every word, but do you ever have a situation where maybe there's someone in the audience who isn't hanging on to your every word and (laughs) what do you do? Yeah, I think in the financial advice space, you know, financial industry, I think that there's people with some pretty strong opinions, um, whether they've done their own research, or they're listening to their brother in law, or they have an advisor, you know, oftentimes, there's people with very black and white opinions. So I think you'll, you'll see that sometimes where um, a woman that is very well versed in, in finances and retirement may you know, have an opinion about that. Um, You know, once in a while that happens. And, you know, I always welcome people that have some knowledge. I think it's, I think it's better to be more educated than less educated. Um, That's one of the reasons I'm, I'm so passionate about this is because I don't want women in this case to just blindly listen to an advisor. I want them to get educated enough to know what questions to ask and enough to know that the answers they're hearing might not be correct. Um, Because let's face it, you know, there's, there's, there's people out there that might not give you the best advice, but for the, for the woman that's, you know, "Mm, I'm not sure. I don't, you know, yeah, I don't know. You don't, you don't, I'm kind of questioning what you're saying there, Lynn. I actually love a challenge. Um, I know what I know. And I would love to debate with someone about the finer points of retirement planning. So I say, yes, more power to you because you are a woman with an opinion and you want to share it. So bring it on. (laughs) I love it. Bring it on. And in your presentations, you're all about making sure that you are educating women, that you are looking at those finer points. You are looking at every single angle and, and, and even welcoming the challenges. I think that's what some of the best speakers do is that they welcome the challenges. They look at all angles and they make sure that they are educating their audiences. What would you say are some of the hallmarks 
of what the best speakers do? Oh boy. I think um, the best speakers inject humor. So Mm. in our classes, we, uh, my significant other and I host an online class also right now, and we have fun with it. You know, we just, we just bring our passion and our, um, not only our sense of humor, but the fact that we find this fun, like we, you know, some people get exhausted uh, interacting with people and talking to people, but we come home from a class and, you know, we just can't sleep. Um, So I I think that having humor and enjoying what you do, having passion, but also you really have to know your topic. So I think people that don't have confidence might not feel perhaps confident in what they're saying. So you have to have 100% commitment to what you're telling people, what you're educating, what you're lecturing on, whatever it is, what you're speaking on. You yourself need to believe it and embrace it. And then you can go out there and be like, you know, this is what I think. Uh, This is, you know, my opinion. Also, I think what we do is we look at the research. So we're not just up there, you know, saying, oh, here's our opinion. We actually go out and do the research and follow what the top academics are telling people. So we also feel confident that what we're doing is in what we're saying is in the best interest of our audience because it's based on academic research. Um, I think the other the other thing is just feeling comfortable with who you are mentally, physically. So I'm very much into fitness and health and working out. And I feel very confident in how I look and how I feel. Um, so I think perhaps maybe some people might, you know, have gained weight from having a baby, women, and they never lost it, and they feel self-conscious about that, maybe self-conscious about how they look. Um, I think that's a, that's a huge factor. I'm very comfortable. I love my clothes. I love dressing up. I love looking good, you know, so I think that that plays into it also. You're spot on when it comes to the looking good and good and I hope I scored some points with you uh, about talking about my bike ride before we started the recording <laughs> but yeah. you're, you're right about when when you when you look good you feel good and they have what is it the clothes make the man the clothes make the woman and so on and so forth those are not just cliches you feel totally different in a pair of sweats and a t-shirt than you do in a suit or in a dress if you will so those point that particular point definitely resonated with me and then another one that resonated was how you take a research-based approach to your speaking and you really believe in what you say and that is huge listeners that is huge it is hard to take somebody else's premise somebody else's thoughts or beliefs if you don't also believe them very strongly and then try to present them with heart and soul and and a fierceness about you i truly believe in something that you share with me before the session with your presentations it sounds like you take an approach of no guesswork no fear no excuses no stress, no BS. 
I know you take that approach <laughs> with your clients, but it sounds like you take that approach with your presentations. Everybody, Lynn helps people live the retirement they have imagined with no guesswork and no fear, none of the excuses, none of the stress, none of the BS. Lynn's retirement uh, company is called Her Retirement. It is a global movement with a modern approach to living well now and in retirement. So financial wellness is the foundation of a life well-lived, period. And that's easier said than done, especially for women. So this is where Lynn's approach begins. She helps women overcome obstacles. She helps them navigate uncertainties. She helps them leverage opportunities and build rock-solid financial foundations that carry them through retirement. It gets them to retirement and carries them through. And what she and her company call that is getting her done. Lynn, you have a love and a passion for helping women. And when you approach presentations from the standpoint of helping others, what does that do for your confidence? What does that do for the audience? Yeah, well, I think, I think that when you are around confident people, um, that confidence rubs off. So I'm hoping that my coaching is, is going to give women the confidence. And when I speak and when I'm teaching a class, I want people to not only see that I'm confident, but that they get that feeling of confidence themselves, because whether you're, you know, public speaking or whether you're trying to plan your retirement, a lot of life comes down to confidence. I actually have a very good friend who runs the American Confidence Institute. And if you think about it, confidence pervades every part of our life. And if women can gain more confidence, um, you know, as on a, on a personal level, I think it will help them in a lot of other aspects of their life. So for me, getting up on stage and talking about how you can be more confident, granted, it's a slant toward financial confidence and confidence in your retirement, but kind of the side benefit is that women will get more confident in other parts of their life. So another, another part of this might be you know, they're, they're, they want to finish out and leave their corporate career, but they have this idea to start this business. They've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So we will work with them to give them the confidence to take that leap into entrepreneurship because so many women would love to do it. And women actually launch probably at three times the rate of men, small businesses, and especially in retirement, but it would be higher probably if women had more confidence. So that's, that's a huge, huge word um, for me in all aspects of my life. Luckily, it was instilled, you know, by my mom early on. Unfortunately, you know, some people don't have that kind of upbringing or that person in their life that helps them with that. Um, but I think you can be overconfident too. So, you know, um, say that again. <laughs> um, I'm raising, uh, I'm almost done raising my 18 year old twins. They're going off to college. And wow. one thing I've noticed is their confidence level. So they're able to speak to adults comfortably. 
uh, they're able to go in and apply for a job. Uh, they were able to, you know, fill out these college applications and be confident in how they were portraying themselves on their applications. So I've seen, you know, playing sports, they were more confident in their, in their sports endeavors. So I think, like I said, it pervades every aspect of life. And I'm hoping that the side benefit of my coaching, although it's more focused on the financial aspects, will just help women have a more confident retirement in all aspects, you know, because they might be leaving the corporate workforce, they might be moving to a new community. You got to go out and meet new friends. That takes confidence, right? So maybe someday I'll do uh, speaking on confidence. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I say you better do that. You better own that, Lynn. I don't know why you sit here thinking about it. <laughs> don't talk about it. Be about it. Confidence sounds like it's just a mainstay in your presenting. However, you're right when you say not everybody has that parent or that spouse or friend or whomever to instill that confidence in them to build them up. So what are some of your presentation must-haves outside of confidence? What are your must-haves to ensure that you do deliver a great presentation for those of us who maybe don't have these buckets and buckets of confidence, but what are some either tangible or intangible must-haves where you cannot do a presentation without them, but you need them in order to deliver a stellar performance? Yeah, so one is preparation. So I think preparation is huge in every aspect of your life. You have to prepare, you have to practice, quote, you have to train, right? Um, her retirement is about preparing. You, you can't retire without preparation. You can't get up on stage and speak without preparation. Um, I was a competitive athlete my whole life. I, had, I couldn't go out and just do a triathlon because I was naturally talented. I had to prepare and I had to train for that. So same with speaking, you need to go and you need to prepare, you need to practice, you need to train. So that's number one. Number two, you need to know your presentation. You need to know what you're going to say. My, my approach is I know my material so well that I, I ad lib a lot, but I'm, I'm naturally, uh, I'm naturally like, I don't know, I do a lot of puns and I, I cue off of things that people say and I just kind of say funny stuff. And I don't, I don't think you need to be naturally funny to be a good presenter. I've seen a lot of TED Talks that are super serious and they're just engaging. Um, I think that I've never been professionally trained, but for some people, maybe you want to get professional speaker training. I used to do speaker training as a public relations person in, the corporate, in corporate America, where I would train at CEOs and CFOs and founders of companies as the spokespeople for the company and, you know, what to say, what not to say. But um, I think that knowing your material is really, really important. And the second thing is knowing your audience. I think you really, really need to know who you're speaking to. And as my mother used to say, you know, she used to say, do unto others as you would do unto yourself. But I, I kind of change that and say, do unto others as they want done to them. So depending upon the audience, I might change my tone or my level of seriousness or how much humor I inject. And I kind of throttle that back, still have my personality, 
Um, I think, you know, for me, it's, it's using my voice and my body uh, to show my enthusiasm. I, I talk with my hands. Um, but I think, you know, having those things, I feel are, are very important to having the best possible presentation that you can. Um, knowing also doing research actually in advance, like part of the preparation to know what are the, the problems that your audience is having and how to really hit on those because otherwise people are gonna fall asleep, right? <laughs> you need to really be engaging. And if you hit on their pain points, they're gonna go, whoa, wait, yes. Yeah, I'm worried about running out of money. I'm more worried about running out of money than I am about death. And if you can hit on those points, people are gonna pay attention uh, just as a case in point, we, we used to do a six hour class face-to-face. -face. Well, of course, face-to-face kind of went away in the last year. So we transitioned to Zoom. So now we teach a six hour class via Zoom. And the first class we did last year, we said, okay, it's an hour and a half class, but we're asking people to commit to four and a half more hours over the course of three weeks. So we got down our first class. We're like, okay, we had 30 people, but are they going to come back? Uh, almost 90% came back for four weeks of six hours of retirement education. So we knew we were onto something, but if we didn't hit those hot buttons and we didn't keep them engaged and we couldn't see anyone, you know, we could just see little names up on the Zoom screen. We had no verbal, you know, we had no um, visibility into whether they're shaking their head, you know, in a class, you, you, you get their body language. There was nothing. It's just a screen with like 30 names on it. So you, it's like talking into thin air, right? But at the end, in the chat, best class we ever attended. This was awesome. And they came back and they came back. And I'm like, wow, if we can keep these people engaged and interested in what might be construed as a dry topic we're good <laughs> how do you do that though because retirement snooze button how do you keep content fresh and engaging and interesting especially if you're presenting the same thing over and over again because I'm quite sure there are some tenants or some pillars of retirement that don't necessarily change from one week or one year to the next how do you keep the content fresh and, and interesting well, number one, we find an audience that's thirsty for the information, right? Um, mm. So you have to find the right audience. Um, so that's number one. And we, we help people self-qualify to make sure that they are the right audience. And then because we've done so much research and we've been doing this for so long, we know those pain points. We know those things that people are trying to solve. And if you ever watch Netflix, sure you have, and you get to the end of that, episode because you're binge watching you know offspring or whatever else I don't know um, outlander right and just as you say okay we're this is the last episode we're going to bed guess what they do they leave a cliffhanger so you're like I can't go to bed not knowing if they're going to get back together again or if the baby's going to be born or so so we actually we actually have cliffhangers <laughs> Right. So, you know, if I was doing a, a multi-week um, training or a presentation somewhere, 
I in we're doing it online right now, but cliffhangers, you got to leave them hanging. So they want to come back for more or you, you know, or you uh, dangle the bait in front of them and say, you know what, we're going to talk about how you can reduce your taxes in retirement to as close to zero as possible. You don't want to listen in. You're not going to find out. So cliffhangers are, are, are key. If there was anything that the audience needed to hear from you that they've not heard already about how to engage their audiences, how to simply put on the microphone, what would it be? You know, I really like, I really like to um, give people questions so that they can start thinking like, oh, wow, I have not even thought about that. So I'm, I'm an action taker. So, and I've always done marketing and I, I don't believe in doing marketing where you just give people information. Um, information is great. Insight is great. But none of that's worth anything if you don't take any action. So for me, I like to give people action. In our classes, we give people homework, okay? If I was doing a, a presentation on stage, I would tell people, these are the things that you need to go and you need to ask yourself and you need to come up with the answer. Then once you have these answers, then I want you to take action and I'd outline an action plan for them. And the action could be, you know, anything from, you know, getting more educated. Um, it could be going to, you know, go look in your 401k to see how it's allocated. Uh, action allows people to take control of a situation. And I think inherently people want to feel in control. So I would give them information that would allow them to take action and feel more in control. So if I could do that in every speaking engagement, I would be happy because I know that by taking action, they're going to change their outcome. And in my case, that's what I want people to do. I don't want them to continue to bury their head in the sand or to procrastinate. Or in the case of many women, they're intimidated by personal finance. Uh, they're overwhelmed. You know, they've never, they don't have a financial mind. That's, that's all BS. We all have the potential to be financially literate and confident and we can take control. I'm sitting here shaking and nodding my head like mad because I could not agree with you more when it comes to people so quickly saying, I can't do this. I, I, you know, I don't like numbers. I, I don't know this. No, you have not had the confidence in you to believe you can. Now, we're not saying you have to be an expert at it. We're not saying you have to be perfect. We're not saying you need to all of a sudden become a financial advisor from attending one workshop, but we are saying that you can take some sort of action and take control of a situation as opposed to feeling helpless. It's that growth mindset, right? And right. that work of yep. Carol Dweck, well, where, you know, don't, don't just sit and say you can't or you don't know how and leave it at that but always grow. Yeah, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of this is behavioral. So there's a concept called behavioral finance. And, you know, most Americans don't budget, right? So 
you know, I don't really focus on budgeting because it can be futile for a lot of people and it can, can be depressing and it feels, you know, too oppressive and, you know, like people are, are going without. And as Americans, we don't really like to go without in general, but changing behavior is, is difficult, right? Um, just compare it to fitness. Everybody wants to work out, but how do they actually get up off the couch and commit to it? So it, it involves changing your behavior and making a commitment. So every time I talk to someone about this, I'm like, you know what? Until you're ready to make a change and make a commitment and change your behavior and prioritize. So prioritizing is another very, very important thing. For me, there's a few things I prioritize in my life. And I think what I'm trying to do is coach people to change those priorities. And so, you know, if I were to go speak to a group of women about this, you know, we would have a conversation about that. And I would say, I want everyone to nod their head and say, yes, we are going to commit. We're going to prioritize. We're going to make a behavior change because as a result of making that change, this is how your life can be different. So, in, and again, that applies to so many different things, right? Well, it's about painting that picture of what could be. I cannot remember the exact presentation, but I remember having like this black and white image. And, and then I talked about in your presentations, you need to paint a picture or this was a strategy for something, I don't know, but paint a picture for your audience of what could be. And yep. so that's what it sounds like you like to do where, okay, here's your current situation. How do you like it? How does it make you feel? Is it comfortable? Now, what could your situation be or what would you like for it to be? And so I take that image and it's black and white and then I change it to color and show what it could be if we just put in a little work and some elbow grease and get down and dirty and do the tough stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think the other thing that is important for speakers is to inject some stories, right? Tell a story and and make it personal. Like show your vulnerability, show show your emotion. And so I have a pretty I have a pretty strong story um, of how I arrived where I'm at and the obstacles I had to overcome. And that's why I said, like, you know, don't walk behind me, don't walk in front of me, walk beside me. And I'll tell you my story and what I have had to overcome. And I think that engaging your audience when you're speaking by telling those stories is really important. So in that preparation phase, you know, think about those stories that are both personal because they're going to come across much better if they're personal or if, you know, someone you know and you can articulate it from a personal perspective. Um, and then, you know, tell those stories that you believe are going to resonate with your audience, right? So my story is going to resonate with a, a, a room full of women. It might not necessarily resonate with men. So you have to know your audience too when you prepare that story and get those stories ready to share. But storytelling is huge in marketing right now and in speaking. So if you can tell a story in the book I'm writing, uh, you know, I start out with a story. I start out with a story and I continue with several stories throughout, throughout the book. Speaking of stories, 
Do you have one that you can share that is integral in you just being who you are today, Lynn? Oh boy, which one I do know. I choose? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> one that is is very close to the center of why you do what you do. Yeah. So yeah. And, and it probably goes back to my mother. Uh, she, she was born in 1935. So she's going to be 86 years old this year. And in 19, let me think about this. Uh, eight, 1973, she decided to leave my father with four children. Uh, we left our home in, um, we didn't even have a car. Uh, and my dad was a car dealer, <laughs> but anyway, he didn't, he, needless to say, he didn't want us to leave, but my mother needed to leave for, for, for physical, um, health reasons, but we left and she was a school teacher. And years later, she told me, this is why you need to get your education and you need to get a career because you, if you are ever in a situation where you need to get out, you need to be able to get out. And I remember at eight years old, you know, shopping for apartments and helping her figure out budgets. I sat down at the kitchen table and I check off her numbers and help her. And I just was exposed to a lot as a young child. Um, the only, the only fly in that ointment was that when I became an adult and I graduated from college and I'd had my first house, my second house, I got the biggest house I could on the street because I lived in a little apartment and that big house ended up costing a lot of money. And, but it was more important to me to have that big house. So sometimes some of those, those lessons can backfire on you. But my mother is very well educated, but she isn't, wasn't very financially savvy in that she taught me some basic personal finance lessons and she taught me to fend for myself, but kind of on the big decisions like how to save in a 401k. I mean, she has a teacher pension. She's never had to worry about her money. You know, it's always been a constant, you know, flow of salary. Whereas I got laid off probably six years into my career and I was floored. Like nobody in my family ever got laid off. My dad had his own business. So I was kind of ill-equipped and I didn't have a lot of guidance around some of those corporate America issues. And I kind of floundered and had to figure it out myself. And my company went public in 2000 and overnight I was a millionaire but I didn't know what the heck to do with a million dollars. All I wanted from the company going public was a digital camera at the time. I, I just couldn't think in those terms, right? I, you know, my mom struggled to get a car for us when we were younger. So literally people were like, what are you going to do when we go public? I'm like, I, I want a digital camera. <laughs> and they just laughed at me. But, you know, at the time I had no guidance. Uh, I went to see a financial advisor who was an investment advisor, a woman, and she just gave me pages and pages of like investment returns. 
And, you know, I remember walking away going, okay, well, this is what will, my money will do if I invest it with her. But what about saving for college? What, what should I do with my house? You know, what, like, there was so many unanswered questions that I didn't get from her. And I actually thought financial advisors were too expensive. Like, I'm like, I can't afford a financial advisor. Um, I wish I had. So I don't want, every woman is going to have their regrets and things they wish they did, but I don't really want financial issues to be one of the things that they regret. I want to help not only women preparing for retirement who are maybe five to 10 years out, but I want to prepare my 18 year olds and the 30 year olds so that they don't have this big pile of financial regret and they have some guidance because we have so much access to information. Like we didn't have access to information back then. We have so much now, but I want to make sure that they get the right information and that they are intentional about what they're doing with their money and making those priorities. I just wandered around in the dark, you know, just kind of trying to figure it out on my own. And I just want to help women not be in that situation at the end of the day. You know, I want to be, I call it a retirement mentor. I want to be that retirement mentor so that you can live a great life. You know, life is good, but retirement can be better if you do the right planning. And that's what I want women to do. You're turning on that light for them. You were saying how you were wandering around in the dark and you're turning on that light for them. So they're not wandering around like you were and your presentations are turning on lights for so many. And and that's what all of our presentations should do. We have to dig down inside and say, what pain did we have prior to learning this knowledge, prior to getting this information that we have? Let me use this presentation to turn on the light and to stop others from experiencing the pain that I experienced before I knew what I know. Lynn, oh my goodness, Lynn, Lynn to yeah. me. Yeah, go when ahead. Someone, when, go someone ahead. Leaves, when someone leaves a presentation that I give, mm-hmm. you know, I want them to come, I want them to come out and go, whoa, I have so much to unpack and so much to do. You want people to walk away with so much value and information that they didn't have before they listened to you. And, and, and if you can change that behavior, if you can be part of influencing that behavior, then you've done your job as, as a speaker, you know, you've, you've, you've incentivized them, you've motivated them to go and take some action, whatever it is. And that to me should be the goal of speaking. I mean, speaking can just be for entertainment purposes, right? So, you know, I could get up there and tell some super wicked, like, like I literally could go off on a whole segment on that. You know, my mom at eight years old, well, probably 10 years old, my mom took me on a date to protect her from her date. And I'm like, how's a 10 year old little girl taking her on a date with you going to protect you. So I have another book that I'm writing. And in the story, I say that, well, the date was successful because we didn't end up in the trunk of his car and we didn't end up at the bottom of a river with bricks tied around our ankles. But I'm like, 
<laughs> what, what were you thinking? You know, so I learned some financial financial things, but I got some serious dating tips when I was 10 years old. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh yeah. I feel like this conversation could go on and on and on and we could go down so many different roads and paths and lifelong lessons learned over the years. Oh my goodness. Lynn, oh yeah. Uh, this has just been an absolute privilege. I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. As you can tell, I like to talk um, and I'm, I'm super passionate, but I, um, I'm, I'm ready to, you know, I, people say, oh, when are you, I have friends that are retiring at like 55 and I'm, I'm like, girl, I'm just getting started. <laughs> Retirements for the birds. My, the first line in my book is this is a book about retirement, but do you even want to retire? Like, what does that mean? It just, it's an old dated word. And, you know, I'm ready for life 2.0, which means starting a business, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm doing a fitness show. I'm going to get up on stage and do a fitness show in the fall. Like it's, it's life has just begun. Listen, everybody, I know you want more of Lynn. You want to know how to get in touch with her. Check the show notes and she has her information there. Uh, you definitely want to have her in your network. Lynn Toomey, thank you so much. And thank you to the listeners. Make sure you always own the microphone. <laughs>